Hi, I am Nicole J. Georges. I am a queer, feminist, vegan cartoonist, teacher, and advice columnist living in Portland, Oregon, with my half-blind chihuahua, Ponyo Georges. <coughs> Welcome to our podcast, Sagittarian Matters. Sagittarian Matters. Sagittarian Matters. What's the Hello, listeners from sunny Los Angeles. Uh, Producer Ponyo and I just packed up our stuff in Portland and moved down here for the winter, and I promptly hit my head on a cactus and got spikes stuck in my scalp. So there you have it. I was jumping out of the way of a senior citizen, as I am wont to do, and um, as I was ducking away from him, I hit my head on a cactus. This week, I am a little low energy because of the big move, so I offer you a smorgasbord of options. I have Aubrey Bernier Clark and Jordan Strang. You may know them as the lesbians who went on tiny house hunters and chose a burned-down shack as their house. It's like the weirdest mash game ever. I also have Rapid Fire Advice with cartoonist Liz Prince, which she recorded at a bus station, and some Rapid Fire Advice from myself. Lastly, I will be joined by Morgan Grunstein Helvey, friend of the show, to review Golden Milk and more. Stay tuned. Good morning, Aubrey and Jordan. Good morning, Nicole. Welcome to Sagittarian Matters. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, we're excited. Jordan, uh, I was delighted to turn on the TV and see Aubrey talk you into buying a burned-down shack on Tiny House Hunters. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, God bless her. Um, can you guys please describe what is the show Tiny House Hunters for people that don't watch it? Describe the show Tiny House Hunters? Yeah. Sure. So basically Tiny House Hunters is the same format as regular house hunters, except for that the houses all have to be 600 or under square feet. And so basically what happens is, you want to tell what happens in a regular show? Sure. So basically you get a little background info on the people who are buying the house and you learn you know what they're looking for and everything like that and then you go see three properties that loosely fit those guidelines um, and then you pick one and you buy it so you yeah, they like to call it a must-have list you've got your must-have list and then you see how many of the must-have each property has relative to the budget well okay so on your episode the thing that rocked the world was that you found a place that had like the potential of your must-have list but at the moment seemed like it just had like a lot of tetanus and spiders (laughs) because it was literally like you guys told you guys came to visit portland you know a while ago and like we bought a burned down shack and i was like haha and then you showed me a picture of it, and I was like, oh, shit, that is a burned down. That's like a place where a house used to be. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty much the reaction that our families had to. I don't think anybody who even saw photos realized how 
crazy it was until they actually saw us walk through it with the camera crew. Like, I don't think that even our moms had any idea, even though they had seen photos um, of quite what we got into. Well, so can you just, can you describe, they showed you three places on the show. They showed you two, two dwellings that were suitable for human inhabitants. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like ready to move in basically it seemed. And then they showed you this place. Can you describe this place and that, and your first walkthrough? Sure. Well, before, so I actually found this place on um, Zillow before the show. So I had kind of found it and told Jay that I wanted to go check it out. So when it first popped up, I had a filter going so that I would get alerts whenever a property in our desired neighborhood would come up that was like under 300000 or something, which is very low for LA. So very few properties were popping up and a lot of them were very undesirable for a variety of reasons. So when this one popped up for 155000 I was intrigued. There was only one picture, and it was a photo from Google Earth of, like, some, you could see that there were trees. Which is so, always a good sign, by always. the way, when there's only photo on a Zillow listing, and it's from Google Earth. Yeah. yeah. That's, you know you've got a good, a good property with something like that. So, yeah, there were trees, which I like, because that's not um, that easy to find in L.A., actually. And then there was something that looked like a singed roof. And I was intrigued. So I drove over there. The whole property is, like, fenced in, so I couldn't get in. But I just kind of lurked around and checked it out. And I wanted to see more. I, like, asked Jordan, or I told Jordan, I called Jordan, and I was like, you tell the rest of this part. Oh, so Aubrey calls me, and she's like, I found something that I want to show you. (laughs) And I was like, okay, cryptic. Um, And so... I believe it was, like, after work one day. and Maybe was, the same day. Maybe the same day. She was like, I want to bring you to see this, this thing that we maybe should buy. And so... <laughs> Keyword thing. thing. Um, so she drives us out there, and, and I'm like, okay, what are we doing? And then we, I, too, couldn't go in, so I could just see it from the outside. Um, and it seemed very unlikely that we would ever consider buying something like that at that moment. I did like it. Like, I liked the land of that on and everything like that, but I couldn't even imagine what it would be to actually buy it. Can I <laughs> can I ask you guys to describe just what it looks like from the outside? Well, the first thing that you would see when you're walking up to the property was a decaying possum <laughs> right in front of the front gate. And uh, it was... It was really interesting to see over the months how well, it sort of evolved into the ground. <laughs> when we first saw it, it was just dead and, and just like roadkill, you know, which is like dead on the, the side of the walkway. Um, but then as we kept going back to the property, we got to see like the whole process from like rigor mortis to fully picked over just the bones. <laughs> so it was like that, that Nine Inch Nails video. You were living in a Nine Inch Nails video, basically. Basically. Yeah. So, although most people would probably be turned off by something like that, there was something about it that made us want the possum to be our mascot. So, yeah, I was into the possum. <laughs> as a witch, is there no significance to a decaying possum being the um, talisman of your new home? Wait, so what, what is, was the- 
as a as a as a as someone who practices witchcraft, yeah, what this is the significance of a decaying possum did not put you off to this property. There was something peaceful about it. I know that that is a strange thing to say, but I've seen, uh, you know, dead animals that had a distressed, bad vibe, and this one actually seemed like the guardian of the property, and I had a good feeling about it. I'm into it. Okay, so then you get into the property. Can you describe what the house looks like? Yeah, go ahead and tell, tell us about the house, Jordan. Okay, so when you walk up, there's like... First off, there's a padlock on a fence, so it's like not really a, a welcoming vibe when you go in. But um, after we got actually inside the property, there was so much stuff in the yard, I guess. There was like multiple toilets. There was <laughs> a really old rusted out truck. There was probably like the skeletons of like 85 dirt bikes. Yeah, mostly car stuff, but, like, a lot of dangerous, just, like, rusty, sharp metal things. Like, broken glass. Yeah, there was, like, a giant pile of, like, cans. There was another, like, a whole graveyard of glass bottles. Wow, and that comes with the house. You have to deal with that if you buy the house. Right. It all came with the house. (laughs) Okay. All inclusive. Okay, so you're walking. Inside. And I guess my initial reaction was that, A, we needed to have on, like, a hard hat um, or something something protective on the, on the top. Um, but I really didn't think that you could sell something as a dwelling in that condition. I was, like, shocked. I was like, this is a lawsuit. So you cannot sell this. You can't live here. But so you walked in the house, and there's, like, stuff coming out of the ceiling. There's, like, clothing and, like, boxes of checks and... Old, like, school reports and stuff just, like, falling out of the ceiling. What is... And then you go in... Oh, go ahead. What does it smell like? It smelled potent. (laughs) When you first walked in, it just smelled a little bit like, um, you know, if you've ever been in your grandma's attic or something like that, like a... Like Like if your grandma is a cat order. (laughs) You couldn't smell the cat. The cat was, like, when you turned the corner. My grandma was a cat. Um, <laughs> Your grandma was a cat was like, hoarder. I feel like, yeah, one of my grandmas was a cat hoarder. Yeah, mine was not. Um, so, uh, also like a like a burnt aroma, like yeah. high brown, as we say. High brown, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when a biscuit gets burned on the bottom, just high brown. Yeah, the house had a high brown kind of smell, and then. The living room, really, there was a lot of clothes in there, like boxes of clothes that were sort of in various stages of decay. And I think that those were, those had a lot of uh, feline bathroom appeal, you know. (laughs) So you can just feel it. You know how, like, cat pee has this sort of, like, crystallized stickiness? You can just feel it in the air when you walked in there. So it was, was, I'm not going to lie, it was really gross, but there's some weird part of me that's like into that and like I'm not into it like I don't want to like touch it or be around it but I'm not phased by stuff like that okay so then Aubrey when you walked into the house you were like swing like this is great I can't wait and then Jordan were you super psyched or were you a little scared I was scared I I just didn't think that ever 
in the realm of like our budget and what we were looking to do. I just had no idea that Aubrey would even this property. Like I was like, I thought she meant like a house that needed a new bathroom. I had no idea that she meant like um, a house that was like, you know, like an episode of Hoarders went up in flames. So, okay. Well, let me explain some of my rationale behind this. If I may, Nicole. You wait, you may, but can I ask you a question first? Why? Yeah, sure. Because when I look at it, and every time you talk about it, I'm just like, why don't you just buy a trailer and fuck the house? Why don't we just buy what? Like a trailer to park on that beautiful property and just say, like, you know, forget this cat check. Oh, God. That's a whole other long story that's, okay. like, quite triggering. But, okay. yeah, okay. we were going to do that, but there was a series of events that made that not possible. Okay, okay. Unfortunately. So, wait, okay, so, Aubrey, you saw the potential in it. And you... Yeah, and this is why. Okay. Originally, we wanted to just do... Well, not necessarily Jordan. My original plan was that we would do, like, a more traditional tiny house, potentially something on wheels or something prefab, get an empty lot in L.A., slap it on there, and call it a day. But as I started researching this, I found out how nearly impossible that is to do. Like, if you want to buy a plot of land in L.A., you can't buy it on a home loan. So you have to have cash up. And anything that's partially flat that you could actually put something on, it's going to be over 100000 anyway. Then on top of that, to get utilities put in could cost up to another 100000 And you have to get permits for that. And it can take up to two years for those permits to get approved. So if you look at that, that the option is buy an empty plot of land, have 100000 up front to spend on it, then another hundred to put in utilities that you have to wait two years for. And then on top of that, you have to build the house. Like a plot of land that already has an infrastructure is ready to go. You don't have to get permits because there is a structure that granted it's in terrible condition, but it's fixable. It's actually a good deal. So that's what led me to this. I started thinking, why buy an empty plot of land that's completely raw when we could buy something that, has the elements that we need to get going right away. Yeah. That that rationale makes some sense some sense to me. As somebody who's not handy, the house looked intimidating. Yes. Yeah. Um so, how did the show how did the people from the show like that house? Were they pushing you to choose that house or did they were they surprised that you chose that house? I mean, I think that they liked the drama of us choosing that house. Um, they definitely didn't push us to choose any particular house, but I don't think that they were averse to our choice because for their show, it was, as you said, kind of shocking. Well, it was, and you know that Roxanne Gay, noted feminist, loves to watch tiny house centers, and so... I kind of, I never, I never had watched it before your episode, but I just knew that people, you know, she's always tweeting about people being like, I can't believe they're going to live there. And so I couldn't wait to see what she said about your house, but I didn't hear from her, but I saw so many tweets of people being like, what the fuck did I just watch? Or (laughs) people being like, wait, oh my God, these people just, you know, took, took this, the money from the, they imagine the money was from the show. They took the money from the show and bought a burned down shack. You know, people were... (laughs) Incredulous. So what is your, what has the response been 
since your episode aired? I mean, a lot of people, you know, some of the funnier tweets that I saw were like, I just got punked by tiny house touchers. And I think that some people definitely did feel that way. But also we got a lot of supportive, um, you know, social media reaction from complete strangers, like really sweet, nice tweets from people saying that they're excited about our project and like wish us the best. And so, you know, I think there's been very few things that I've seen that were, you know, angry or mean. It's all been sort of like a mixture of confusion and support and a little bit of shock and awe. I kind of wonder if like, oh, go ahead. Oh, I just think that's everyone's reaction. Like, they're like, yeah, way to go. I hope it, it happens. <laughs> wow. I've like, gotten so many messages on Instagram from random people being like, where's the updates? Where are the photos? Like, stopped you on Instagram and there are no photos. Oh, yeah. And, you uh, you got to finish that. I'm wondering if Habitat for Humanity will step in and finish it for you. Oh, that sounds good. You got any connections there? We're humans. <laughs> We're humans in need of a habitat. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, where is the house now? What is going on? What What is the state right now? We don't need to get into the, the muck and the mire. I know you had to get rid of 60,000 pounds of garbage. Um, yeah, that is 30 elephants worth of trash. 30 elephants worth of trash. There need a but, um, so what is the state of it today? Well, today... There, so we took everything off, and then we had to strip down the house, right? So we got rid of all of the burned parts of the wood and the framing and everything like that. So basically, now, it's, it's pretty much exactly like where the episode wrapped. So we shot for the episode a bunch at the beginning, and then they were kind of waiting to film the wrap-up until... They wanted to reveal the finished house, so that's what we wanted to, but uh, this process has taken much longer than expected, so they kind of were like, okay, we got to figure out an ending for this so that the show can come out this year. So, yeah, so what you see at the end of the show is pretty much where things stand right now, although work should be getting going again in the next week or so. We've come up against some roadblocks with permitting and... uh, you know, bank loans and stuff like that. But I think we've got it all worked out now. What We're is, on our way. Do you have a new end date? I wouldn't say we have an, I'd be more comfortable with that if there was construction happening today. Um, more comfortable saying something, but I think or maybe January. Yeah, we're hopeful that, like, we can get in there by New Year's. I am, at least. I'm, that's my. It could happen. Like, maybe we're painting under here, but you can, like, walk in it and it's a structure. Do you It'll have, be a structure by New Year's. Do you have yeah. any regrets? Um, no, I don't think I regret it because, you know, the thing is, is that we saw the other houses that are featured on the episode. We also looked at other properties before being, you know, cast on the show, and I think that the other homes we saw were also really either – in weird places, like way too far away from people who work in LA, or they were sad and scary in their own way, different than that property, but in this way that it wasn't going to be the right fit for us to live in either. So, yeah, I mean, the other houses we saw needed everything basically had really choppy, weird layouts, 
unpermitted additions, potential water and electrical damage, like just a whole can of worms that like we could guess how bad it was going to be, but it could be much worse. And at least with the property that we bought, it we know exactly how bad it is. Yeah. Wow. Well, you guys, I wish you all the best. And I am excited now that I'm in LA to come and look at it IRL in person. Yeah, we would be happy to give you a tour in IRL. In I, IRL, it's just IRL. <laughs> I don't know if I would let producer Ponyo go there because I would fear for her safety as a as somebody who's small yeah, and close to the ground. It's not great for pets yet. We haven't brought the dogs there yet. It's going to be a big surprise for the dogs. That's like the goal. You're like, you got, you cover their eyes, then you show up. Yeah, yeah. We'll walk them up for the big reveal. Well, I yeah, honestly. I honestly feel like if this works out, you will get the last laugh. You will be. That is true. If, Hopefully. If it doesn't work out, <laughs> we don't even need to talk about it. You'll be like, you'll have tetanus from like a tin can from the property. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be crying for the rest of our lives. We all got our tetanus boosters, so I think we're good. <laughs> no lockdown here. We could have a tetanus camp out on your property if it doesn't work out. That's fine. Yeah. That's all, That would also be fun, you know? Tetanus party. Well, I can't wait to come see it. And thank you for making time to be on the podcast. Um, and I think that you are, you're a great example that if you can dream it, you can do it. <laughs> Teamwork makes dream work. <laughs> Teamwork makes dream work. Believe, achieve. Anything can happen. Yeah, we're going right. to plaster the house with all of those motivational posters from middle school as soon as we move in. Yeah. Oh, perfect. I can't wait for you to have walls. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, how well about- perfect timing. We pulled up to our terminal here at LA. So. Oh, good. Well, um, we'll I will see you in LA soon. See you soon. I'll see you at the house. Bye. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye. So, like, say I'm at a cocktail party with like Dustin Hoffman. Huge fan. He loves my work. All I have to do is say, like, <clears throat> tomboy, that's my friend. <laughs> He's more of a uh, Louis Chalamet for what's a bed fan, but, you know, uh, I'm sure he knows my later work, too. Like, have you heard of Top Shelf Productions? Well, not to brag, but <laughs> one of their superstar uh, authors is uh, my regular, my regular on the podcast and a great, a great friend. It's an honor. It's an honor to be both of those things to you. Thank you. Same. Same. I'm very happy to drop your name anywhere, anytime. <laughs> but anyway, this... As long as you pick it up afterwards, don't just leave it on the floor. <laughs> pick like it up. dad joke? <laughs> that was a pretty good dad joke. Right. You're not even a tomboy. You're like a, a tom dad. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm actually just transitioning to full-on dad. Everyone's like, is Liz, is Liz trans? Uh, Liz is transitioning from person from woman to dad, from tomboy <laughs> to dad. Okay, Liz, how do you exact revenge on a non-vegetarian hippie? I say, you, how do you how do you exact revenge upon a hippie? I think um, 
You could uh, hi put some deodorant on them while they're sleeping. Um, well, I've never done this before, but I had this pretty gnarly idea. I had this roommate that I really hated when I lived in the dorms in college. And I always thought, like, if she really, really crossed me, maybe I would just pee in her mouthwash, just like a teeny little bit, just like, just like the littlest bit, because she'd never really know, I don't oh. think. Oh, think God. So. Antiseptic of the mouthwash would just, like, cover that up, but she'd just be, like, rinsing her mouth with my pee. Just a little bit. <laughs> There's something so animal about that. Like using your body fluids as revenge. There's something that's so primal. Yeah, I mean, I know it's a pretty. I never did it, and I probably never would. But like, it was a thought, you know. It was like one of those lasting revenges that you know, until that bottle of mouthwash was gone. I think if you want to exact revenge on a non-vegetarian hippie, you should either a put deodorant on them while they're sleeping. B, comb their white person dreadlocks out while they're sleeping. <laughs> or C, somehow expose their trust fund to everyone. Yeah, I guess maybe this woman was pretty hippie-ish, but maybe most hippies don't use mouthwash. Oh, no, um, no. They use tea tree oil. Yeah, I don't know. What would you do? Like, burn all their sage sticks while they're not home? I don't know, like throw away all throw away like, all the incense. Alright, wait, these have to be rapid fire. Drain drain all their hacky sacks. Take all the beads out of their hacky sacks. Drain the beads out of all the hacky sacks. So that they can't play they can't sack anymore, you know? That's a no that's, more social. That's social good. Alright. My neighbors have really loud sex and they scare me. How should I deal with them? Alright, I think you need to write a letter. A note to slide under their door that's not signed that just says, you know, I can hear you during your lovemaking. <laughs> during um, your spirited lovemaking, I am aware of everything that's going on and it freaks me out. Or like, yeah, how about like... Really, that's a really tough one because, you know, like, I feel like people should be able to fully express themselves in their homes, you know, like yeah. the place that they live. Yeah. Um, and that's like a pretty, like, pure way of expressing yourself. This um, is really making me um, have a big question mark over my head about your lovemaking. <laughs> mine? Well, it's very expressive. It's very performance art-based. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, I'm actually, I'm very prudish, like. It's like a corpse. Completely. Yeah, like, I think we've talked on this podcast before about how I'm a never nude. Like, I'll, you know, take a shower in my own house and get dressed in the bathroom. You know, I'm not like. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's not a thing. But I have had roommates who are very loud lovemakers. Um. It's a totally awkward thing to have to bring up to somebody. I had a roommate who, this was awful, Liz. This was the worst. See, I'm not actually a prude behind closed doors, but when it comes to, like, 
my sexuality impacting someone else or vice versa, I'm very concerned about, um, I don't know, consent, like not sexualizing other people without their want, right? Do you consider other people hearing your sexual uh, output to be like non-consensually involving someone else? Kind of, like if they're grossed out by it, I'm not, I'm not there to, I'm not, I'm not here to do that. I'm here, I'm not here to make friends and I'm not here to uh, perform my sexuality for innocent bystanders who have not, who want nothing to do with it. There's, there's plenty of performing behind closed doors. Um, but I had a roommate who, it wasn't that I could hear her having sex, it was that I felt her having sex. Because when she, oh, when her, yeah, I've definitely had that. When her boyfriend was coming to a close at, at the at the crescendo of their lovemaking, uh, my bed would start swaying and the glass in the windows would start rattling like Jurassic Park. Like it was like goosh, 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 and I would wake up because it was like an earthquake. And I asked her, I was like, "Could you maybe like move your bed so it's not directly on the other side of the wall for my bed?" And she was like, "Why?" You're the one with the problem. I was like, cool. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I had a um, roommate who had a lobster bed, and that was pretty loud. Uh, I felt like I could change. I could, like, feel every time they changed positions and what positions they changed into. That's how, like, involved I was. Oh, yeah. I was really um, not enjoying it when he hit it from behind because he had way more leverage. Yeah. But then uh, I think she figured that out on her own because then she said she used to start having sex on the rug on the floor. And um, I think she had a lot of carpet burn. I'm sure she had carpet burn. So she sacrificed that for me. So I felt pretty good about it. Um, I think my bus might be here. Oh, God. Quick question. Hash or cocaine? This person asked. Hash or cocaine? Hash as in like pot. Oh, uh, I mean, hash, I guess, although I've never really had much experience with either. I'm going to say, God, it's really hard. I don't really do drugs. Uh, cocaine seems like you could get more done, but it also seems like it has worse effects um, in the short term and long term. So I'm, I guess I'll go hash. Yeah, cocaine's just too much of a commitment to me. Too much of a commitment to like, oh, like maybe you're going to have heart problems later. Do you have time for one more question? Yeah. Okay. I just turned 19, and I'm still confused about the direction of my life and who I am. Is this normal? Also, I'm a colossal dork. Um, yes. Anyone who has their life figured out at 19 uh, is probably keeping themselves from experiencing some pretty interesting things. Yeah, anything could happen. I'm 35, and I still think life is bigger than I can even imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I think that you start to really realize that more once you get older, and you kind of can start to see that your, like, frame of reference is really pretty narrow. Yeah. But when you're younger, I guess everything feels really big, maybe? Everything felt really big when I was in high school, so... When I was 19, I just kept doing the things that I liked to do. And then as I got older, those things crystallized into my path. Mm-hmm. But they weren't, I didn't know they were my path at the time. 
Anyway, and also this person says, I'm a colossal dork. I don't know what to tell you about that. Yeah, I mean, that's an important part of the puzzle. Being a colossal dork is pretty great. I, I say, like, maybe you should get, like, a, a leather jacket or, like, a Axl Rose kind of bandana. Um, that sounds dorkier, but maybe. <laughs> you know, especially... I think just go with the dork thing. I'm saying maybe get a pony get a get a baseball cap with a ponytail that comes with it that comes out of the back of the hat. I'm just shaking my head profusely right now. <laughs> Liz Prince, is there anything that uh, what is there anything new you're working on, or how can people find you? Um, I have a Garfield comic coming out next week, which is uh, the 19th of October, um, and. I actually get to meet Garfield in this comic, so I suggest that everyone picks it up. How fantastic. And do you have any last advice for me regarding Patreon? People can find you on Patreon. They can. Patreon.com slash Liz Prince. Uh, it's a great way to make some extra money on a project that might not have backing. Can I have people give me money just for existing? Just for what? Existing? Yeah. I think that's actually the point of Patreon. Oh, my God. Glorious. Just glorious. Uh, at this level, you'll get nothing. And at this level, you'll also get nothing. Okay, well, at this level, I'm going to get on the bus. Um, thanks for coming on the podcast, and have a great bus ride. of decluttering my life and I just found a lot of advice questions from my time on the road where I do live advice events so I wanted to read a few of them to you and answer them in a rapid fire style. Dear Nicole, I'm four years into a career with no future and have no other viable skills. Suggestions? Well, if it has no future then you may as well Stay there for a minute and choose literally anything else that sounds fun to you to do that may also have no future. Um, I always think you should either have a job that uses your brain and that you enjoy or have a job that doesn't use a lot of your mental space that you can leave at the job when you go home and then you get to do whatever you want when you get home. So if you want to play music, if you want to make art... Uh, if you're a cartoonist, if you're a podcaster, that's what you get to do at home without stressing out about making money from it. I think that you should just chill in your career with no future. And while you're chilling there collecting your paycheck and your off time when you're slacking off, because why not? You have no future in this career. Think of something else that you want to do that sounds a little bit more fun. Be a park ranger. That would be fun. Be a phone sex operator. That's easy. And you get paid pretty reasonably to just sit at your house watching TV on, with subtitles on, um, just repeating the word hard for like 20 minutes. Those are two good jobs. Um, you could be a janitor. You could be a night stockman at the grocery store. You could do something physical, like be a postal worker where you get to walk around and deliver mail. I think you could also pretty easily be a fitness instructor. That's one of the jobs that I have in my hat for if everything falls apart and everyone decides they dislike me, be a fitness instructor. 
I would teach Pilates, I would teach aerobics, I would teach jazzercise, whatever. Because then you get physical fitness in, which you have to do anyway. Instead of you paying a gym to use it, you're getting a gym to pay you. Great. Do that. Okay. You're welcome. How do I tell my boyfriend he is a mouth breather? Somebody wrote in all caps. Um, depends how close you and your boyfriend are and if he has a sense of humor. You know, I was just watching the show Transparent, and in one episode, one scene, the character Leslie, I think her name is, said, permission to speak frankly, or something like that. You could say, you could say can I tell you something? And they'll say, and you say, I noticed you breathe your mouth open a lot. What's up with that? You got a blocked up nose? Or is just, what is it? And then he'll tell you. Maybe it's more comfortable, maybe he has a blocked up nose, but maybe he doesn't care. Uh, it's okay if you have a boyfriend who has a mouth breather. He probably was when you met him and you decided to date him. Don't try to change him. What are you going to do, tape his mouth shut? That might be uncomfortable. Maybe it's cute that he's a mouth bather. Maybe that's his quirk. And then you break up with him because you don't like it. And then you date someone who's a jerk, but who breathes their mouth closed. You'd be wishing you had that mouth breather around. Dear Nicole, how can I get rid of my jet lag and start sleeping normally again? Well, you know, you asked the right person, listener. Jet lag. When you get to the place where you're going, stay up and try to get on a normal sleep schedule. Don't fall asleep as soon as you want to. Fall asleep when it is dark outside, when other people are going to sleep, so you can start acclimating yourself to their rhythm. Then, expose yourself to sunlight. This is real. Actual sunlight. So, like, stand by a window, then go outside, do a little bit of light exercise in the sunlight of that place's natural climate. So, take a walk around in the sun, so your actual body, on a level that is not just your brain, is understanding, we are in a new place. It is daylight. This is what is happening. Um, don't drink if you can help it for the first few days. I've, of course, you're going to drink coffee, but don't go out drinking alcohol because that's a depressant and it's going to make your body have to work even harder to right itself. And be nice to yourself. Don't push it too hard if you don't have to. Get lots of rest and eat well. Eat good things. Don't eat junk food. Um, that is how I avoid jet lag or how I comfort my body when I am in jet lag. And those things work. And some of those tips I found from a beautiful place called the World Wide Web. Thanks for your questions. Morgan Grunstein Helvey. That's me. You're here on the podcast today. I can't wait to taste you, this. You brought a lot of garbage kind of food. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> wait, can I... We tried out some berries before, and then I saw them at the store, and they were retailing at like $12 a bag. I so know. I the savings you brought Retail. to the podcast. value. Thank you. I want you to try with me golden milk, okay. which is something I actually enjoy and pay money for right now, mm-hmm. which is turmeric powder, which is good for inflammation, and as a cartoonist, I have a lot of uh, inflammation... Gobbledygook. I'm inflamed. Uh, This has that, plus a bunch of chai-like spices, and then some crushed up dates for sweetness. Mm. And I did it with some rice milk, and it's like a super golden color. It looks beautiful. Like soup. It's like a soup. Gwyneth Paltrow enjoys it. Mm-hmm. Mmm! This is delicious. What do you think of that? It's great. I've been drinking golden milk every day as my turmeric supplement, and it is rocking my world. I would... Totally love to enjoy that again. I am absolutely not sponsored by these people. I would love to be. It's from Gaia Herbs. <laughs> Take note, Gaia Herbs. 
It's pretty. It was like maybe like seventeen dollars for a month, and I drink it every day. And it's amazing. Feeling the value. It's legitimately pleasurable. Thanks for sharing this with me. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so get in, get in on golden milk. Mmm. What does it taste like? Chai. You're right. Something chaiish and kind of sweet and really warming and earthy. Yeah. And not like there's a, just a little dirt, little dirt enough to make it feel like nice, mm-hmm. but not gross. I also have been like mm. mixing it with my afternoon cold brew la- post nap latte. <laughs> <laughs> like no mushrooms in my coffee, but yes, turmeric. Yes, turmeric. Mm-hmm. Empty. Turmeric. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Dang onion chips. It's a crispy caramelized sliced onion in a bag. And by crispy, it means it's like, like that styrofoamy texture. Don't eat that. It's styrofoamy, a little bit. You know what it's I mean? It's incredible. It's incredible. Okay, what's <laughs> the taste of it? Is onion, onion plus Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Plus garlic. Plus. It says parsley is gonna bring it to a whole new level. Um, but also the thing is that you're eating onions. It's so oniony. So you have to eat these alone unless you hate the person you're with. Mm-hmm. Or they're like, maybe like that's their fetish, it's like really oniony onion breath. Because even... And that one's a lot of flavor specials on it. The only way that I would eat these is if I were, if you left them here, and I <laughs> later wanted to feed my feelings or distractedly eat while I did something else to bury a feeling. Oh my god, I feel like they're so flavorful, they would undistract you from your distraction. I would just keep eating them, my hand would just keep going in the bag, I would just keep eating them. But I would never mm. go out of my way... To choose this over a different snack or pay money for them. I would fully choose this and totally pay money for them. Put them on a burger, like a field roast burger. <laughs> the crispy part would be really good on a burger. Mm. Okay. Uh, I'm a thousand th- percent in. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Huge thumbs up. Huge. Sideways thumb. <laughs> Triple thumb. Sideways to down thumb. I drop them. If you brought these somewhere, I would eat them. But I, would, to down. I would never buy them on my own, but I'm still eating them right now. Like a four o'clock on the clock? Yeah. Like a five o'clock? Yeah. No, like high noon. Four o'clock. High noon. Onion chips. Dang. Dang. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.